All right, folks, uh, welcome to another episode of Timeless Wealth with Dirk and Deeds. Today, we're going to take a little sidestep from the traditional investing. We're not going to really talk about stocks and markets and, and rate of return on that too much. We're going to be, we're, today's going to be a quick episode, um, basically around financial planning. Um, I think Sean and Amy can attest to the fact that we're getting a lot of questions regarding mortgages. Uh, you know, it's July, 2022. So, uh, interest rates are going up. Bank of Canada is going to raise, uh, is going to be raising interest rates. Uh, the fed in the United States has already, um, raised it. Uh, the central bank, the Euro central bank is also going to be raising interest rates. So we're getting a lot of questions regarding, um, clients who are purchasing houses. Should they go variable? Uh, should they go fixed interest? And we thought it would be a good idea to shed some light on the differences. Um, what each or what, what each type of mortgage, what is it based off of, right? Like, is it just based off of the the uh, the rate from the central bank? Um, from what I understand, one of them is also the bond market also affects the uh, mortgage rate. So we're just going to talk about that. We have Sean, who's pretty much an expert on mortgages. So I'll uh, right away pass the mic off to you, Sean. Easy, Tiger. I'm not an expert on mortgages. <laughs> <laughs> definitely know, oh, definitely oh. know a lot. <laughs> not an expert. Uh, greetings, everybody, and, and and yeah. So let's let's talk mortgages for for a moment. So there's really there's four there's three aspects to a mortgage. There's your term, your mortgage term, which is how long the mortgage is in place before you have to re renew to another one. There's amortization of a mortgage, and what that means is how long do you have to have a mortgage in place before the mortgage or debt is paid fully off. And then the third component to uh, a mortgage is your interest rate. And they all have implication in terms of how long you're going to be paying for a mortgage over time. Uh, term, basically, you know, you can get terms from anywhere from a one-year, two-year, to upwards of a 10-year, 20-year mortgage. 20-year mortgages are rare, but they're, they're out there in certain places. Um, and the terms come in two forms. One is an open mortgage, where basically you can pay off any amount of principal at any time, if you choose. And then they come in the form of what's called a closed mortgage, which means you're limited in terms of how much you can pay off in any given year. And why one is different than the other is when you have an open mortgage, you're typically charged a higher interest rate for the privilege to pay it off at any time versus a closed mortgage. Amortization is important because the longer you amortize a mortgage, typically a mortgage is amortized at 25 years, some amortized at 20 years, some might even amortize as long as 30 years, depending on what you're trying to do. The implication is the longer the amortization on a mortgage, the less your payments go towards paying down principal in general. So can you repeat that again? The longer your the longer your mortgage is amortized, yep. the less in terms of your monthly payment, the less of that payment is applied to principal and more mm. interest. Gotcha. Okay. Because typically the longer you amortize your mortgage, the lower your monthly outflow is, the more the lower your monthly payment is. Yeah. So for instance, if like I'm just using as an example, if you had a 20-year amortized mortgage of X, let's say you're paying a thousand dollars a month to fund that, you know, pay that mortgage, you might have 80% of your payment applied to principal. But if you have a 25-year amortized mortgage, your payment goes from a thousand down to maybe $800 a month, of which only maybe 55 to 60% of your payment is being applied to principal. Mm, and if you get a 10-year amortized mortgage, your payment might go down to $600 a month, 
but of which only 20% of your payment is going to pay down principal. Mm -hmm. So the, how do you advertise a mortgage is very important. It's going to be based on your, your needs, like how much flexibility do you have from a cash flow perspective. Historical or typically, a shorter amortization on a mortgage is better because you lower your interest costs quite dramatically, particularly on a home because interest that you pay on a home mortgage is typically not tax deductible. So you're paying it with after-tax dollars. But I wanted to kind of focus on where most people are, are looking at, which is interest rates. You know, what, are, what, what rate of mortgage am I going to have to pay when my mortgage comes due in the next six months, one year, three years, five years, or whatever, whenever it comes due? And there's two, typically two types of mortgages you can look at. One is called a variable rate mortgage. Mm -hmm. And a variable, variable rate mortgage is actually very simple. It's, it's basically priced off the prime rate, prime lending rate, of Canadian banks, which is the lending rate, the prime lending rate is that rate of which Canadian banks offer to their best clients. So it's the prime lending rate, typically less a certain percentage. It might be prime less half a percent, prime less 1% or, or more, depending on which institution you're working with. I'd offer national banks actually got a pretty attractive variable rate metric in place right now, but I don't want to advertise for them. Um, <laughs> at the end of the but day- But they do guys, but they do. So what happens is when prime goes higher, like can you know Bank of Canada is expected uh, at time of recording, you know next week they're expected to raise the prime lending rate by 50 basis points or 0.5 percent minimum, might go 75 basis points. Anyone with a variable rate mortgage in place today is going to see their interest rate go up lockstep with what the Bank of Canada does from an interest rate standpoint. Mm -hmm. And now continue as long as the Bank of Canada continues to raise interest rates, which is. Tough. It's like that means you're paying a higher rate of interest, which means even if your payment remains fixed, less of your payment is willing to pay down uh, principal. The good news about a variable rate mortgage is if interest rates go down at some point in the future, your rate will go down with it as well. If you keep your fit, your payments fixed, more of your payment will go to uh, to pay down principal in the in the mortgage. Fixed rates are different. This is where people get confused in terms of how fixed rates, fixed mortgages are, are, are set compared to variable rate mortgages. And where the confusion lies is people feel that actually when the prime rate goes up or when the Bank of Canada increases their prime lending rate or overnight, sorry, overnight lending rate, that that's going to affect what you pay on a five-year mortgage, for example. And that's not, that's not the case. In fact, the Bank of Canada could do nothing for a one to two to three to four-year period and you could st still see the rates that you pay on your five-year mortgages, fixed rate, fixed rate mortgages, go up or down. Why is that? And the reason being is that the rate is actually set based on what the bond market is doing and the interest rates you're paying on your bonds. So in other words, and this is a, this is a very sil you know, overly simplified type explanation of this, but what, the bank would, what a bank would do is create a five-year bond and sell it into the market at X. It might be actually a GIC as well. But at the end of the day, they put it into the market and their five-year bond might be paying 3.2% to the lend, or sorry, to the to the, to the the person that accepts the loan from the bank, mm. buys the bond. Then what the bank does is takes that cash that they got from that bond and they lend it out at whatever they're paying on the bond plus X. So they might lend it out at 5.2, 5.3% and take the spread between what they need to pay on the bond or the GIC mm -hmm. 
lot, you know, basically the spread between the rate they're getting on the fixed rate mortgage, less what they're paying on the bond. That becomes the net interest margin, which drives the profitability on the lending space and in banking. So the bond market so, direct directly affects uh, 100% has nothing to do with the bank. Can't not directly. It has nothing to do with what the Bank of Canada does in short run, mm -hmm. where the Bank of Canada monetary policy can affect mortgage rates that are fixed is how the bond market you know, mm -hmm. reacts to the moves of the Bank of Canada. But it's not a one for one relationship. whatsoever. So in, in fixed mortgage, if the if the central bank's going to affect the uh, a fixed mortgage rate, it would. It's because it affects the. It's because the the decision of the Bank of Canada would affect the bond market, and then the bond market would then affect the fixed uh, mortgage. Is it? Did I understand that correctly? Yeah, but it's not gotcha. a one-form relationship. So in other gotcha. words, yeah, yeah. When you look at monetary policy of any central bank, the only thing that the monetary policy of the central bank can do is affect the short-term interest rate environment. Right. Yeah. They have little no control. Of what three, you know, what interest, you know, three-year interest rates are going to do, five-year interest rates are going to do, and ten-year interest rates are going to do. Right. So you've heard basically sometimes you've heard people talk about an inverted <clears throat> yield curve. Well, mm -hmm. you know, that's the case of central bank raises rates on the short term, but longer-run rates, you know, my right, my my, you know, my left hand is kind of showing an upward trend on the short term. <laughs> longer term interest rates don't move, and all of a sudden, if short-term rates are higher than longer-term rates, you've got an inverted yield curve. That's not good. Gotcha. Bad for banks, bad for the economy, bad for everybody. Gotcha. So I'll pause there and uh, pause, you know, pass it over to Amy. Well, the other question we're getting, Joel, is, okay, so I have debt. Yeah. If the if interest rates are going up, so it's costing me more for my debt, do I pay off my debt faster or do I invest money because now's a good time to invest? So it mm -hmm. becomes this struggle of how do I make that decision? Um, and that and is a that is a pretty yeah. crucial financial planning question. Like if you've Absolutely. got, if you're a student, for example, or even if you've got a, a big mortgage or, or a student line of credit, or even just a line of credit, um, you know, do you pay off debt or do you buy equities and or do you invest your money pretty much, whether equities or bonds or whatever? Yeah, and then, and it's sometimes it's not one or the other, right? And that's where you really need to, you know, that's what a lot of the work we do for our clients. So we have a lot of conversations because it really is nuanced depending on the type of debt. Is it tax deductible, not tax deductible? What kind of interest rate you're getting? Like if you meet somebody with, you know, 20% interest charges on their credit card, I'm going to tell you, pay off the credit card debt because yeah. go, going into the market, sure, you might make it, but it, that's a pretty high hurdle that you're going to have to overcome. Um, mm -hmm. And so we're showing a slide here. Um, Jalal, if you want to maybe take us through what the slide's showing here. And yeah, I for sure. So on the left-hand side of the slide, for those, for those um, listeners that cannot see, um, Suppose interest rates go up. Do I pay off a hundred thousand dollars off of, I guess, a mortgage at four point five percent interest ten years early? So suppose you saved saved a hundred thousand dollars, or you have a hundred thousand dollars. Your question that you might be asking yourself, or that you must be, or you you could be posing to yourself is: Do you pay off a hundred thousand dollars off of your mortgage ten years early, or do you invest the hundred thousand dollars? We're on the left hand side. It would. It says that if your mortgage is at four point five percent and you pay off one hundred thousand dollars ten years early, then you the interest that you save is twenty four thousand dollars. So you save twenty four thousand dollars worth of interest. Mm 
But on the right-hand side here in comparison, it says that if you invest the $100,000 at any type of investment that gives you, I guess, a 5% return over 10 years, so $100,000 investment at 5% return over 10 years, you would earn interest at 64, uh, interest of $64,000. So it kind of seems <laughs> like you would go towards the investment option. It seems right? like a no-brainer, right? It's like, well, right. I could earn 64000 versus I just saved 24000 So why yeah. why wouldn't I do it? Why well, there's yeah, a couple of reasons, right? Because uh, paying off your debt, you're for sure going to save that $24,000 as long as your interest rate stays the same. Or if it goes lower, maybe you pay off more. Versus investing, it's going to be variable, right? The markets don't guarantee a 5% unless you find a guaranteed investment that pays you that. But in most cases, it's not going to be that guaranteed investment. So you're taking on more risk. The other thing is you have to rely on your behavior over those 10 years that you're not going to deviate through the ups and the downs, and you're going to stick with that plan to stay invested during that period. So you need so discipline. You need discipline. And for some clients, debt a lot of clients I talk to, as much as this, this chart makes sense from a numbers perspective, they're not going to sleep well at night. They just hate having that debt. It nags at them. It stresses them out. Markets are going to, they know they're just personally going to feel nervous about markets. So for some clients, it's, okay, maybe you're foregoing, you know, the, the investment return, we're going to pay off debt. So sometimes the answer is we're doing a bit of both. So we're You're paying a little bit of debt? We're paying down a little bit of debt quicker to make up for that the interest rates are higher, but we also want to maintain our savings strategy. We don't want to deviate from that plan in this environment because you are buying in at lower prices during a disrupted market period. So sometimes it's finding that balance. And that's a big part of the work we do on the financial planning side is looking at an individual situation because you mentioned like a student, again, credit card debts, things like that. Depending on the interest Doing rates, we're, credits. Yeah. you got it. We're going to have different <clears throat> opinions. So it's really important to talk to a specialist to sit down and say, okay, here's my situation. Here's what I'm up against. What's kind of the best plan forward? And, and we can help model those different scenarios out. But it's not yeah. so black and white. Um, but I think this. Yeah, we're not trying to paintbrush across the board. You but I think. It. I think if I understood you correctly, it's a bit of quantitative, but also qualitative analysis for every client. It might be different depending you on your it. income, depending on your risk tolerance, the the stage of life you're in, yeah. um, depending on so many personal uh, characteristics of your life, I'd say. Well, and there's a, well, a strategy there's too where a couple things to kind of look at there. Yeah. And one, when you look at paying off a hundred thousand dollars of your mortgage at four and a half percent, you save twenty four thousand dollars. That's after tax money. Mm -hmm. So that's, you don't pay tax on that. That is in the bank after tax money. Yeah. Because if you invest $100,000, assuming it's not in a tax free savings account, at some point that those gains will be taxed mm -hmm. as mm -hmm. gains, dividend yeah. income or whatever. Yeah. So that's going to help. That's going to reduce your profit. So $64,000 pre-tax might end up being $45,000 after tax, which weakens the argument of investing versus paying off a mortgage. The second thing is what this also highlights, I'm talking out of two sides of my mouth here, but when you pay off $100,000 at 4.5% 10 years early, you're you're paying off simple interest, not compound interest. Versus if you pay off or if you invest 60, you know, $100,000 at 5%, they're assuming compound 5%. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's, okay. That's a dramatic difference. 
Yeah. That, that's the first well, thing. Well, and the other, the other thing that we also do, to Sean's point, is sometimes, depending on the person's stage of life, maybe they've got the 100000 Maybe it is a combination of paying off the debt, borrowing back a certain amount. Now the interest becomes tax deductible. They also get money invested. And again, that's where we have to, it, you know, it's a, there's risk involved in that. And so we are not recommending that for everybody. And that's something where we have to sit and talk to individuals to figure out what that right amount is. But there's different ways to structure this um, depending on a person's circumstance. Sounds like there's a lot of strategic planning. Mm-hmm. You got it. There is. I look at, you know, whatever, you know, the, the general rule, though, is that if you have less non-performing debt, or zero non-performing debt, and I can explain that distinction in a moment, it really opens up the playbook in terms of how you can invest and where you can invest and how comfortable you can be investing. Mm. And non, non-performing debt is very simple. I, I, I view it in a very simple way. Non-performing debt is debt I have to pay out of my own pocket. Mm-hmm. I don't like that at all. Versus performing debt is debt that I have in the marketplace where other people or other investments are paying the cost of the mm-hmm. care. Wait, what's an example of the second? What's an example of the second one? Uh, so, an example would be using debt to, to buy a rental property. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Okay. The tenants pay the rent. Like you know, in the ideal scenario, you have your tenants are paying the cost of carry. They're yeah. paying your interest, which is tax deductible. And then, really, if you have money left over, i.e., you have a margin in your rent that's profit. That's a thing of beauty, and you're not. It doesn't cost you any money to run it, right? Gotcha. Yeah. And then as home prices increase over time, you, you get the uh, you get the appreciation there. But you can also do it in the equity market. You can borrow an amount of money, purchase high quality dividend yielding stocks or companies where the yield coming from the companies more than offsets the cost of interest on the loan, and that's a, and that's even before. You tax deduct the interest cost to pay the tax on the on the income stream. It actually comes better after you do that. Gotcha. But it's highly important because it's leveraged money. You really should be talking to an advisor about what's appropriate, what's the right amount. Again, there's yeah. risks involved in the strategy, and it's not for everyone. Yeah, definitely. Like hire you know hire somebody that would look at things quantitative and qualitatively and see if it's if it's the the best. Um, Best option for you, for yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. Leverage can really. Yeah. You know, we touched on this in other podcasts. You know, like, yeah. like you, you don't, you never want to, you know, borrow money and invest in a high quality dividend yielding companies like Canadian banks jump out as me as, as obvious candidates for this kind of strategy. But you never want to do it when you're feeling really good about it, because <laughs> guess what? That means you're probably buying it at a high, and you're not going to feel very good about it a year or two from now when things go lower. Yeah. But you look at an environment now where Canadian banks are down 15 to 20 percent. They're more profitable than they've ever been in their in their lives. And they're trading at, you know, I think seven to 10 year lows in terms of the price to raise multiples. Well, <clears throat> depending on where you're at in life, it's a strategy to consider consider doing because yeah. you can see maybe 20 to 25 percent upside on Canadian banks over the next couple of years. Potentially. I'm not guaranteeing that. Yeah. But the runway is there for that. Absolutely. 